You're listening to Pastor Jesse Miller of City Lights Church. Amen. Well, also if you're visiting with us, we are currently going through the book of 1 Corinthians. And we're coming through the end of 1 Corinthians, so... Um, we are going to take a, we're in Corinthians today, but I'm going to skip a passage. Is that all right? Not skip a passage because I don't want to preach on it. I'm skipping it because Jared, Pastor Jared, our founder, will be here next week, and I really wanted him to preach on this passage. So he will be here with us. Uh, that passage in chapter 14, we've come out of this, I thought about being the body together, having gifts, how our God speaks to us. We believe that God uses the gifts in the church today. He speaks to us. He's vocal through the gifts, through the parts of the body. And then we talked about love and what love really looks like. And then after that, chapter 14 begins to discuss some giftings. What does that look like? What are they for? Tongues and prophecy are the primary focuses of chapter 14 in the beginning. Okay? Jared will be here next week, and I want him to share because I feel like he's got a wealth of knowledge on that area that I don't even slightly possess. So he's going to share that with us next week. Is that okay with everybody? We'll get back to it. We're not forgetting it. We're not skipping it because we don't believe in it. We do believe in it. I just want it to be communicated well. So that'll be next week, chapter 14, up until verse 25. 26 is where we're going to start today. Um, let me read just a little bit. 26 here, if we can get that on the screen. If you don't have a Bible and you would like one, we have some resources. The one in the pew in front of you, you can have that one. There's other versions. We've had people donate some Bibles to the church. On that back table by the elevator, there's some free resources for you. Go ahead and grab one of those. But verse 26 is what we're looking at today. What then, brothers? When you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. If any speak in a tongue, let there be only two or three at most, and each in turn, and let someone interpret. But if there is no one to interpret, let each of them keep silent in the church and speak to himself and to God. Let two or three of the prophets speak and let others weigh what is said. If a revelation is made to another sitting there, let the first be silent, for you can all prophesy one by one, so that all may learn and all be encouraged. And the spirit of the prophets are subject to the prophets. For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. We're going to stop there for a second. So, this is a passage that's quoted in, in different contexts and in different church circles, looked at in different ways, trying to figure out what does it mean, what does the church look like. We're not given a whole lot of verses to give us what a church service should look like. Make sense? But there are a few, and this is one that we looked at, and we try to figure out what is Paul saying to us. Um, And it depends on your theological background, how you would view this verse, right? Um, And I'm going to share with you who we are at City Lights, what we stand, and what I believe God is speaking through Paul here um, in my studies. Does it make sense? Um, And let me give you a story. So this week, I've been privileged to be able to go back to college a little bit. Uh, I'm doing one class right now for my master's degree, and that's in Greek, which has been interesting so far. Um, And so part of this Greek class is it's six weeks all online, two days in the classroom. And where I go is Lancaster Bible College, which is a pretty conservative background kind of college. Um, Growing up as a Pentecostal, charismatic, who's 
now somewhat reformed charismatic, whatever that means. You can come up with whatever term you want for me. I am who I am. I don't know. Anyway, I'm a child of God, right? So I go to college, and I'm sitting there in Greek class, and somebody brings up a, a question about the giftings and about apostleship, right? What does it mean to be apostle? And, of course, their stances of those gifts have stopped. And we talked a few weeks ago about that verse in Corinthians, which is talking about the gifts, and it says, but as for love, it'll always be, but these other gifts, they will cease. And we talked about our view on that, right? So anyway, we'll get to that in, in a little bit. Well, anyway, I'll, I'll share it for those who weren't here the last few weeks. So in chapter 13, it says they will cease, but when the perfect comes, right? And love is always going to happen. Our view is the perfect is not scripture. The perfect is Christ. We will see him face to face. Then we won't need prophecy. Then we won't need tongues. Then we won't need words of wisdom or even healing. We won't need any of the miraculous gifts because he will be with us. The tangible kingdom will be fully manifest. That's our view, right? And so uh, some people, though, say that those gifts have stopped because the Bible came, which I completely disagree with. But anyway, so I'm in class. They're talking about this. And one person starts to, like, belittle and criticize people who say that there's a gifting of the apostolic. And I said, well, let me just explain. I said, from my view, I said, I'm going to go ahead and expose myself here. I'm a charismatic Christian. And you could see all of a sudden everybody in the room was like, wait, what? I thought that guy was sane. Like, you could just see this, like, I don't know about him all of a sudden. I said, this is our view on the, the apostolic gifting. It's somebody who goes out. They're not Paul. They're not Peter. They're not an early witness of Christ. They're not capital A apostle. They're lowercase a apostle, which means they have this gifting to go and equip the body and start churches, start different ministries, and, and fix them, basically, right? And somebody in the class said, well, isn't that just church planning? And then some, like, school official walked in at the door at that time, and the conversation stopped, right? So it was like, I never got to finish the conversation. It was just interrupted by this. He didn't come in because he heard me. He came in because he was just doing an audit, and then we had a break, and it was... Anyway, so that happened, right? And I was exposed as this charismatic. And you can kind of feel, like, this tension all of a sudden. I'm like, whatever. It's no big deal. So the next day, because it's two days, I'm in class... And uh, the guy beside me, we've built like a little bit of a friendship, you know, over one day, eight hours of class. The next day, I see the, the, the table that the professor uses. It's like a desk, but it's tall so he can stand. It kind of goes around him like this. And it's really light. It's not like this. And it has wheels on it. And I said, man, because we were just talking at the beginning of class. It's like school class didn't start yet. I said, man, I wonder where they got that, because I would love to get one of those for me at my church, because the guys are always complaining about moving this heavy thing, aren't they? Guys are always complaining about moving this every week, back and forth. Can't you just get something small? Can't you just use one of these? I'm like, no. Anyway, so I'm explaining this whole story, like how I would love to get this light thing on wheels, but still have space, you know, it'd be good for the church. And the guy beside me goes, yeah, I'm sure at a church like yours, you're just wheeling it up and down the aisle, right? And uh, I just kind of laughed and looked at him, and then class started, and like, I didn't really think much of it. I'm like, that's, you know, that's what I'm going to get. I'm used to that as the charismatic people who don't understand poke jokes, you know. And uh, to his credit, though, yesterday I got an email from him. Hey, man, it's been bothering me all week. I really hope that didn't offend you and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, man, not at all. Like, I'm used to that. It's no big deal. But I'm saying that to say this. In our Western world... When you say, I believe in the gifts of the Spirit, automatically, if you're not familiar with that church, you have ideas pop in your head. Like, he is visioning me, swinging from these lights, 
and like laying on the floor shaking and screaming and blowing shofars and like it's just a mess in our church on Sunday mornings. That's what he's thinking. And the truth is, that kind of was Corinth. It was a mess. And that's why Paul has to say, let, let me time you out for a second here. Let me explain what the gifts should look like in a corporate setting together. What should those gifts look like? He doesn't stop the gifts. He doesn't say, all right, you've violated them. Let's cut them out completely. And let's just pray, sing a song, and then have somebody preach. That's not what he does, does he? He says, let's, let's, let's figure out what does that look like on a Sunday morning. It wasn't Sunday morning, but what does that look like in your corporate settings? How should these gifts be ex- expressed? Where the, where the gifts are, we have to admit, there is the element of the strange and the uncomfortable, right? Where the supernatural gifts show up, it always challenges us a bit, doesn't it? it, doesn't, it whether it's one of the prophetic gifts or if it's just another gift, it challenges you to get out of your comfort zone. And so what's happened is people begin to throw all these things out. In the text, Paul wants to handle the issue of chaos in the church while empowering supernatural gifts. I say supernatural with quotes beside it. Because we like to label things as supernatural and natural, right? So we would think of the natural things like, you know, the gift of service, the gift of hospitality, or that person's a teacher. The truth is, there is nothing on earth that is not supernatural. All things are held together by him. So if we for a minute begin to think, oh, those are things where God shows up, and these things are areas where God hasn't shown up, then what we've done is begin to build this false theology where we believe in one sense that God is in everything and and, and sustainer of all life, and in the other sense is he's absent and distant. We do not believe that at City Lights at all. We believe that God is actively sustaining all things. So the one that gets tongues, the one that speaks prophecy, and the one that serves in the, ki- in the kitchen or in the kids' ministry, all of those things are supernatural manifestations of the hand of God. Make sense? But what we do is the ones that we don't know how to express or we don't have a paradigm for or a box for, we begin to say that's different. That shouldn't be here because we can't explain it. It says this. That in the church each has, verse 26, a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. The church is meant to be this place where every one of us have our giftings, right? Whatever it is. Like you saw Kenny and Selena lead us in that this morning. I was literally thinking the same thing when Selena began to speak. We have to talk about what it means to be a son. We have to talk about this. And she began to talk about it. When Kenny began to, to just go into worship, that's Kenny. Each one has a hymn. Each one has a spiritual song of the Holy Spirit speaking something new. We all kind of have this in our lives. And Paul is trying to not, like, squash it. He's trying to, like, okay, how can this be done where it builds up the church together? We, are we tracking together here? Instead, what's happened, right, some churches who have these giftings, it becomes like a supernatural talent show. Like everybody walking around like, look at my gift, I'm the prophet, and blam, 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 blam. And tongues, everybody's just going nuts. Like, what is happening? And Paul says, whoa, the church in Corinth should not look like the lobby for America's Got Talent, where everybody's just juggling and doing their things. You ever see like, it's just like chaos in there. It's like a freak show. And Paul says the church should not look like this. 
There, all these things should be done, but in a way that God is being glorified, everybody's being equipped, and we all understand what God is doing. Make sense? At City Lights, I want to explain. What do, we, what do we want this to look like at City Lights? What do I desire it? What I think God wants, it, wants City Lights to look like? So let's talk about tongues for a second. And Jared will preach on it next week. Uh, I've been asked many times, do you speak in tongues? And the answer is yes, I do. I have, and I always will. It's a gift from God. I, do I do it often? Yes. Every Sunday during worship, I'm tip, at some point I typically speak in tongues. Have you heard me? Probably not. Why? Because I believe in a prayer language that's personal. And then what we see here in this passage, that tongues that needed an interpretation to lift up the whole body, right? We see earlier that Paul talks about speaking in tongues more than anybody else. Uh, actually, a theologian named D.A. Carson, who's really reformed, actually, uh, leader of the Gospel Coalition, said this, Paul thanks God that he speaks in tongues more than all of his readers. If Paul speaks in tongues more than the Corinthians, yet in the church prefers to speak five intelligible words rather than 10,000 words in tongues, which we'll see next week in, in chapter thir- um, 14 a little bit more, then where does he speak them? The only possible conclusion is that Paul exercised his remarkable tongues gift in private. We do believe that there's the private, the spirit speaking out through tongues in a way that something happens in the spirit between me or you and God. And then there's also this, what Paul's talking about here. Like if somebody's going to speak in tongues loudly so everybody hears, let somebody interpret so there's not confusion. And Jerry will get into that next week. We believe in that. So, so that's one area that we see. What does tongues look like? We want tongues to be here. But it should also be during a service where it makes sense. It's not just America's Got Talent, right? Where everybody's showing off their giftings. Same thing with the prophetic. I would love for people, I've had this happen recently, where people feel a prophetic word that God wants to say something to the church. I am for that. How should that, this look like in City Lights? If you feel a word from the Lord that has to be spoken, I would love for you to grab one of our elders, grab me up front, grab Bob or Will, one of the guys, my wife, one of our elders' wives, say, hey, I feel this in my heart is this for today? And then typically, if we sense the Holy Spirit saying, yeah, this is corporate and not personal, then we'll share it. Like, that is our view. It makes sense? We have not talked about this before. So this might be a new concept for some of you. I've had this happen. Bob's brought words to me. I, just a few weeks ago, I had somebody bring a word to me. That's great. We want God to use our giftings to lift him up, not self. Make sense? The gift should never be about the one with the gift. It should be always be about the one that the gifts point to. That's him. That's his kingdom, his manifestation, his voice spoken to us. All right, I see some of you guys are angry. Like, this is going to be crazy. No, it won't be. The gift should not be crazy. The gift should be awesome and confusing at the same time. One other area that I want to say, well, two areas in, in City Lights, just, so just so you know my heart. Spontaneous worship. You've seen that in the last few weeks a little stronger than when we had it before. Kenny is, and Selena have led us in the songs that we weren't planning on singing. But I love it when God's heart is just speaking something over us. That's what happened this morning. And I began to like shake, not shake, but my spirit shook up here this morning because God was singing over us a song and declaration for our lives. That's a spiritual song. Paul says each, each one of you guys have these different things. It's good in the body testimony. We see in Revelation that 
they overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of the testimony. We have not had testimonies at all at City Lights. Very minimal. I want to encourage that to become part of our DNA here. That's why I asked Bob to share his story. I believe that if we are the body, and not just Jesse Miller and the eldership team are the body of City Lights, if you are actively living the kingdom of God in your homes, in your workplaces, then you will see awesome things happen. No amens. That, that's a statement. That's not a question. That was a statement. You will see awesome things happen. Guess what? We need to know it. We all need to share in that victory. We overcome by what Christ has accomplished and by the word of the testimony. We want to hear what God has done so we can walk in faith knowing that he will do again. Make sense? These are ways that we believe at City Lights we want to see the gifts made clearer and more evident. Okay, amen. I, I think you understand me. Let's continue. Verse 32. And the spirit of the prophets are subject to the prophets. For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. Stop there for a second. So, this verse does not mean, and you might have heard it this way, if a prophet prophesies, then it's subject to other prophets who stand around like a big judging table. That, that's partly true. Bless you. It's, it's not saying that when a prophet prophesies, that there's like this big courtroom of other prophets that were like trying to decide that that can get the thus saith the Lord stamp at the beginning. That's not what this is, right? I do believe that there should be a testing. We see that in scripture, a testing of prophecy, right? But what this verse means is that the spirit of the prophet, so say I'm prophetic in my gifting, the spirit man is subject to the man. What that means is if you have a prophetic word, because the spirit's there doesn't mean that you're uncontrollable, right? That you can't contain this thing, and that you can't say, okay, let's see what the prophet, what's good for the church, okay, now let's release what the spirit's doing. Make sense? We have created this culture where the spirit and the mind are against each other. When God says, no, that's not how I created you. I want your spirit man and your physical man to work hand in hand together. It's the renewing of the mind, right? We should be constantly having our minds renewed in Christ so that when my spirit feels something, my mind is able to say, okay, is, is this how God wants to release this? Is the spirit and my mind working together, Right? This is not, like, so, I think some people are afraid of the supernatural because they're afraid that God's going to come in, grab them, and like some kind of weird hypnotist, make them cluck like a chicken. That's not how God works. God has never desired to grab you and make you do things just to make you look stupid. He has never desired that. He has desired that you are an open vessel that he can flow in and he can use what he has created in you, including your mind and your spirit, to manifest his kingdom so that not only do you look like a representation of the Father, but he is on full display as well. That's what he desires. This is not, like, I've, man, I remember as a teenager being afraid to, like, let, to go up for an altar call because I was afraid that, like, somehow I'd be, like, laying on the ground and, like, going insane. That is not at all the move of the Spirit. Does, does the Spirit manifest in ways that you are unable to control yourself sometimes? Twice, twice in my life, I felt somebody pray, and I felt God's love hit me so hard that I landed on the ground. It wasn't like I didn't fly. Could that happen? Yes. I fell on the ground, and I laid there, and I felt God's love speak to my heart. 
I wasn't like some other person. I didn't lose my mind. I could hear. I, but what I felt clearly is God's presence in a loving way that I never, I couldn't stand anymore because it was so overwhelming. You ever been so overwhelmed with emotions, good or bad, that you couldn't, you had to sit down? If you're an officer and you have to go tell that somebody something, hey, you might want to sit down for this. God's love sometimes feels like that. This is not God grabbing you and making you look like an idiot. Make sense? I hope some people look angry at me this morning, but I hope you're tracking with me. God wants to empower us with order, not ritual, right? He wants to give us a framework so that the Holy Spirit can flow in us in a way that builds up the whole body, and it's not just some spiritual show and tell, right? That's not what this is. God wants you to surrender to his glory. He doesn't want to take control of your mind to embarrass you. We desire the prophetic at City Lights. I've seen it change my life. I've seen it change other people's lives. We desire all these giftings because God's a good God who gives giftings for our benefit and for his glory. We desire these things, and we're going to pursue them at City Lights. Let's read verse 34. And this is where, if you haven't, you weren't already mad, you might be mad now. <laughs> Some of you guys were just waiting for me to get to this verse. What's he going to say? What's he going to say? Here we go. All right. Let's tackle this. Oh, we ran out of time. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Here we go. As in all the churches of the saints, verse 34, the women should keep silent in the churches. For they are not permitted to speak, but should be in submission, as the law also says. If there is anything they desire to learn, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is shameful for a woman to speak in church. Stop there. Women are out the door. <laughs> so, this is a strange passage, and I'm not going to say that it's definitive. I'm going to say what I understand, and I'm going to say what other theologians understand as well. Uh, there are disagreements, of course. But this is what makes sense to me, and that's what I feel I have to share with you. So, some of you guys are saying, well, Jesse, I've been here for a while, and you've been talking about Paul not being a sexist, that he's empowering women. This verse doesn't feel like that. Chapter 11, we see that Paul assumes, and he makes this a statement about women having leadership roles in the church about praying in the church and even prophesying. There's prophet tests. There's female prophets in the church. So how can he in chapter 11 go to chapter 14 and say, you're not allowed to talk? This is, this is what is thought when you look at the context of that culture, when you look at the understanding of that city, of what's happening in that world at the time. We've talked a few weeks ago about the roles of women and men, right? So women were like literally trying to act like men because they found faith and they were trying to basically take off their wedding ring in a sense, saying I can do whatever I want. I'm not under the biblical understanding of marriage. I'm not under any kind of whatever. So that was happening. And what was also probably happening is that in the church setting, women would sit here and men would sit here, two different sides, right? And so somebody starts to prophesy or somebody starts to teach a message, especially Paul, who might have a different dialect. This is what is commonly understood, okay? This is the theory, and it I, makes sense to me. 
So somebody would come in with a little bit of a different dialect, and the women, who weren't travelers, they were wives and moms, they didn't understand some of these dialects. So what happens if I'm teaching to you and you're not understanding me? You begin to get bored. You begin to get confused, right? And then when you're bored, you either fall asleep or you start to talk. <laughs> and what most theologians believe was happening is that women were literally getting bored or confused and talking amongst themselves in church. This is the little conversations. And then little conversations turns into large conversations. And that turns to added chaos. We already had chaos from all the gifts being just a free-for-all show. And now the women are talking, right? Or say they are grabbing some of the concepts, but because their husband's sitting over here, they have a question. So now they're asking their husband, who's on the other side of the room, a question in the middle of church. And Paul says, don't. Save your questions for home. Now you're literally yelling your question across the room in the middle of a service where it's supposed to be everybody growing together. You're yelling your questions across, and then your husband gives you an answer that you don't agree with. Now you're arguing with your husband in the middle of church. Now it doesn't only look like you don't understand the concepts, everybody's confused, and it looks like you have a bad marriage. Like, it's a mess. This is what theologians believe was happening in the church of Corinth. This is not Paul telling women, hey, shut up. Take it home. You got any questions, ask your husband. This is like, look, when you are together and there's a, there's a cultural setting, you're sitting separate, let, let's learn how to understand this together, grow together, and then when you have questions that you haven't had answered in church, ask your husband. Ask him. Try to figure it out at home. But let's not start yelling in the middle of service. Does that make sense? That's my view. That's what I believe. That's a lot of other theologians believe. This is not Paul. Paul was not a sexist at all. He, he, he was a man. He, I'm sure he had plenty of faults, but he was an empower of women. He was an empower of the Gentiles. He was an empower of the slaves. He was an empower of people because of Christ. When once he was a persecutor, now he's an empowerer. This is the gospel that I understand coming out of Paul's lens for the church, right? Makes sense? Are we okay? We should be lifted up, not confused in the middle of a service. Our church services should be a place that you can grow. You can ask questions, but you can do it in a certain, certain way that makes sense. What if I preach something, and every time one of you had a, a question, you just stopped the whole service? But time out, Pastor Jesse. Let's, uh, let's discuss that. What do I say at the end of every service? Email me. Call me. Ask me. Go to a home group. Ask those questions. I am available for questions. Right now is not a good time. That would be chaos. And I hope you have questions. I've had, two weeks ago, I had a couple people call me in that same week with questions. That's awesome. Please call me. But the church service is order, not ritual. We're going to finish this chapter out. Verse 36. Or was it from you that the word of God came? Or are you the only ones it has reached? If anyone thinks he is a prophet or spiritual, he should acknowledge that the things I am writing to you are a command of the Lord. If anyone does not recognize this, he is not recognized. So, my brothers, earnestly desire to prophesy, and do not forbid speaking in tongues. But all things should be done decently and in order. So, if anybody, this is kind of a weird thing. If anybody does not recognize this, he is not recognized. I'm talking about the prophet here, if anyone thinks he's a prophet or spiritual. What Paul's saying I'm giving the church guidelines on how to function. And if there's somebody in the church of Corinth who says they're prophetic and refuses to agree to this, 
then I would say they're not even prophetic because they haven't sensed that this is the word of God. And we won't even recognize them. This is God's word for the church. And if you can't recognize this is how a church should function, then you're not prophetic and you're not hearing the spirit. You're doing your own thing. You're show and tell land instead of Holy Spirit land, right? We as a body, this is what I understand and this is where we are going. God, we want you to show up, to manifest, to be here. We also want to grow together, learn together. We want to have clarity. We want to have order. God is a God of order and peace. He's not a God of ritual. Paul does not want us to stop moving in the spirit. He wants to encourage it, to see it become a a valuable part of your life. That's what God desires his church to see. Now, in Scranton, in City Lights Church, this is not our problem. This is not our issue. And if I can be really blunt, we have the opposite problem. We like order so much that we confuse order with ritual. We confuse order with the things that we can explain. We confuse order with the things that we feel comfortable with. So when somebody gives us a prophetic word, we're like, mm, I don't know if it's God. When somebody says that they speak in tongues, mm, I don't know if it's God. When somebody sings a little too loud in service or they start to dance or they sit in the back on the floor, which Will is doing right now, <laughs> when somebody does something that you're not comfortable with, all of a sudden we begin to question, well, it should be done decent and in order. What they mean by that is ritual, <laughs> the way it's always been done. Let me say this. God loves to do, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, right? But that does not mean that he does things today the same way he did them a thousand years ago. God is a God who's constantly doing new things, putting new songs in our hearts, revealing himself in new ways to, to, to the new generation of people. The message of the gospel is the same. God is always perfect love manifest. He will always be who he is in character, always, but he changes in his behavior very often for us. And that's a good thing. But when we see God do a new thing, all of a sudden the people who are religious and stoic and like, well, I've been in the church 400 years and this is the way we've always done it, they get uncomfortable. And I'm saying we've got to shake off ritual and pursue the spirit. Right? This is the, I'm just being blunt, this is the issue in Scranton, this is the issue in Northeast PA, this is the issue in City Lights Church. We are afraid of the things that we don't understand. Guess what? God is something you will never understand. We are given a guidebook of how those things funnel together in a way that we can receive and taste and know that he's good. But there are going to be some things that you just see happen and you're like, God, I don't, that was weird. That was weird. I've experienced it and it's good, it's fine. I can't explain everything. I won't ever be able to explain everything. But I would rather taste and see him than pretend that my ritual service is, an, is the only expression of him. Make sense? I love that verse 26 tells us that each has a hymn, a hymn, a, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. I want you to, if, you, that, if that, those, those things are in your heart, use it. During worship, when Kenny's going off into free, freestyle worship, if you've got a song in your heart too, sing it. I do, and I'm not very good. Sing it. I, I, if you have a revelation of something God's putting in your heart, a word for us, come share it with me. Come share it with the church. Like, don't just grab the mic. We might mute you. <laughs> but come, come share it with me. There are certain people in this church that I've known their hearts so long that they have the freedom to share it, share it anytime, right? Some of you I don't know. That's okay. Nothing against you. 
just we want to make sure that God is evident here, right? We want to make sure that God is proclaimed. God's always doing something new. We're going to close with this, and Kenny, if the worship team can come forward, we're going to, we're going to worship just because we love worship. If you don't love worship, either we're going to pray that God changes your heart so you know the value of worship and you find worship fun, or you're going to probably find a different church <laughs> because we value worship a lot here. I want to, if I can sum up this, and this is a funny little line that I heard. I was doing some study, and N.T. Wright, who's a very well-known biblical scholar, um, I think he's like the bishop of like Canterbury or Ch- Winchester or one of those British-sounding places. He's a brilliant scholar, right? And he's talking about the gifts, and in this, he says this line, and I think is beautiful and hilarious at the same time. It's better to drink wine from a wine glass than to lick it off the tablecloth. I think it's hilarious. It is better for us to drink out of the cup than to just start licking around, right? And it's the same with the gifts. God, Paul and God have given us this wine glass of how we steward the gifts in our church. It's not a mess. It can be confusing, and it's wine. Wine can be strong, but it's good, right? I hope that we are putting ourselves in a position to, to receive what the Holy Spirit's saying in our lives. Over the, if, if we learn anything out of Corinthians, it's, it's how grace puts the pieces together, right? That's our, that's our whole theme for this thing. That there are people in the church of Corinth who are sexually immoral. There are people in the church of Corinth who are boastful and arrogant. There are people who think that they have the only way and like like this some kind of religion of mixing Judaism and other kind of philosophy together. There's all kinds of messes in that church. And Paul comes in not with this iron fist of wrath, but an iron fist of grace that says let me show you how to experience the fullness of God in community. We desire that more than anything else, that we would experience the fullness of God together. Our mission statement, we say it all the time, we desire that the people of Northeast Pennsylvania find their ultimate joy in Christ through the teaching of the Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. If we just take one and not the other, we're going to be missing the full manifestation of God. But when those two things come in alignment, the Holy Spirit at work and the Scripture together, We're drinking out of the glass of his presence. Does that make sense? Let's stand. Let's worship this morning.